Hello and welcome to episode 890 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Thursday, February 4th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing all right. How about yourself? Not too bad. Recording a little bit later in the day, so I'm actually able to like wear shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> What's the temperature in there right now? Um, I, I don't have my heater on, so I don't know, but I, I guess it's around 55-ish, maybe, maybe a little bit lower. But, Still awful. Yeah, I mean, I can handle that. Um, and I'm wearing the beautiful uh, Rotorwear Justin Mason Fears beard. Love it. So, uh, yeah, Love it. I, I bought a bunch of Rotorwear Justin Mason attire and a pitching ninja hat recently. So it's a good. Uh, it's a good wardrobe infusion there. Well done. Well done. Yeah, my we wife wasn't happy. <laughs> we have. I, I can't imagine she was. Uh, we have lots of transactions. A lot of smaller yeah. ones, but worth worth discussing. And then we're going to get back into some starting pitcher uh, questions. You know, between two guys, maybe one guy. Um, no three packs, yeah. So it's either a battle between two or just a question about one guy individually. But let's dive into these transactions. Like I said, we did get hit with a nice group of them. Let's start with Chris Archer back to the Rays, and you know, they have a chance to pull the ultimate. I believe in betting this is called middling, where uh, where you get both sides. Not only did they get the trade, which has already worked out beautifully for them, but imagine if he comes back. And maybe not to his peak, but just to something useful. Let's say he's a 410 ERA guy. Holy smokes, how awful would Pittsburgh fans feel? It's one year, six and a half mil. You know, the expectations on something like that can be muted so even the rays don't have to necessarily be expecting the world but uh, he is just 31 core skills are still there wonder if they're seeing that they can uh they can get him back to something he'll be, he'll be age 32 actually this year because he didn't pitch in 20 what do you think of chris archer back to the rays i mean i think it's a really good gamble for them six and a half million on one year uh deal you know it's a place that knows him very very well we assume that the health uh, is going to be okay-ish, but I mean, didn't he have uh, what's it called? The um, thoracic outlet, yeah, which is a terrible outlook. Yeah, so I mean, I put him at one hundred and nine at my rank in my ranks, and I have regretted it every minute since. <laughs> one ten before he even signed, to be honest. Yeah, well. We kind of had some inside information that he might be signing. So, uh, yeah, no. Um, so that being said, like, I'm, I'm pro, I probably need to move him down just because the history with thoracic outlet syndrome, uh, surgery is not good at all. But if he's, you know, somewhat healthy, like, he could be Robbie Ray. Esque. That's rude to say that about somebody. <laughs> I mean, with probably mean, less walks, but spirited. Um, you know, he's still a two pitch guy. Uh, he's a smart pitcher. We love smart pitchers, and the, I think the problem has been for a long time with Chris Archer is people like the player or like the person, and they're they kind of look past maybe some of the issues as a pitcher. I think the real problem is. The, the home runs, really. I mean, you yeah. look at four years at 1.2 or higher, which kept that ERA trending above 
four, while the Sierra and, and ERA indicators were firmly in the mid threes. And you're wondering, well, what's, what's the disconnect here? And that was really the big disconnect because he's always a great strikeout guy, primarily a good walk guy until 2019 when it shot up to 11%. And that's when the home runs were at 1.9. So even that year, the Sierra was at 438, but that was against the 519 ERA. So he's always got these underlying indicators that suggest he should be better than, than what we're mm-hmm. seeing there. At 32, you know, not expecting a bunch of sub four ERA seasons or even any really, but I don't think he's a terrible gamble. He certainly doesn't cost 109, 110 in the mm-hmm. draft market. And I think that alone makes him a uh, interesting pickup. We'll see where his price goes from here. 546 right now um, in draft Champions League since uh, January 15th. I've cut cut my uh, period down again. It's 24 drafts. It'll move up, but I mean. I mean, it could move up 140 picks, and we're still talking about pick 400. Yeah. So there's a lot of wiggle room here. And then all of a sudden, you're with guys like uh, Luke Weaver, Garrett Richards, Madison Bumgarner, Carlos Martinez, all guys trying to get back to previously established levels. He actually kind of fits perfectly right there in those late 390s, early 400s for Chris Archer. So we'll see if that's where he goes. Um, is there... Do you see him going even higher than that, or do you agree that that 400 is probably still going to be you know, about where his average is. I, I just can't see people going all the way back in and, like, bringing him up to 320 or anything crazy like that. What do you see? No, I don't think he'll go that high. And, I mean, even if he goes, like, in that Garrett Richards, C-Mart area, I mean, those are some names I actually like. So, like, it won't, it won't be on any of my teams. I, I do have him on one team. I just actually looked up my... Uh, my uh, information or my my player shares uh, on mm-hmm. NFBC. God, I love that page. It's a good that, page. That, that page, especially when you play a lot of leagues. Yeah. Uh, so I only have him in one of my ten leagues so far. Uh, definitely not a target for me necessarily. Um, but if, yeah, no one's a target that way. Yeah. You just kind of kind of see. Well, I mean, thing. but there's always like guys where you go, "This is a guy I really like. He's going way too late, and he ends up on like six or seven of your teams or something like that." Um, I have no problem taking him, even if he shoots up to that level. He's right in line with those other guys. I don't want to be overstocked on any of them, mm-hmm, so I'll kind of kind of split that uh, that that draft spot. Uh, by the way, Luis Severino is is at three ninety six. If you move up even a little bit more, so again, it's all these these. Wouldn't you rather have guys. Severino? Yeah, I don't have high hopes for Severino coming off this year so yeah i mean I, I don't see him as a definitive i think he's being i think the expectations are are overrating him right now this idea that he's going to come back and 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 be himself i i don't know where that's coming from yeah i'm not really in on yeah i'm just not in on any of the tj guys i think i have like yeah. one share of severino and one share of of uh sale but those were like in drafts where they just they just kept falling, and I went, you know what? It's a draft and hold. If I if I lose one of my guys, you know, in a fifty round draft and hold, I'm not super worried. I'll take the gamble yeah. that maybe mid season they come back and they're halfway decent. Uh, I've just had a general don't trust TJ guys in their first year back mm-hmm. sort of rule, and so I'm continuing that. But uh, you know. 396 for Severino. That's certainly not hurting you in any any real capacity. Thor's up at 355, um, and then Sale is at 267. The expectations for Sale, 
My goodness. Especially because the team yeah. hasn't, like, like, the team has been very honest that they're going to be very conservative with Sale and uh, they're not going to push him, you know, too hard. Uh, well, they're bad, so why would they? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So, like, I don't understand why, you know. Well, they're average, I would say. I don't I don't think that they're a total bottom feeder over a six-month season. I think they're, you know, high 70s, low 80s win type of team, but that's not a yeah, contender in any stretch. Well, no, because it's a fourth-place team. In... That's the thing. They'll be out of it quickly in that division so yeah. I, I just don't yeah i don't know why he would be the one that's pushed up the eyes thor is the only one that's been talked about being pushed a bit and so if you were going to take somebody higher it would be him but i no, it's it's past there it's past on that uh, archer i'm open to we'll see where his draft price goes i think it'll still be around uh the those late picks that it's at right now and that you can get we'll see uh we'll see if he moves up in fact i want to check something real my first pitch arizona league now that he's been signed no and we're on pick 535 and uh oh wait hang on hang on yes he is never mind never mind he went he went a while ago he went around 29 uh let me see what mm. that that's a 15 yeah, right? he went 424 okay that's not that's not a bad mm. price I, I don't hate that price but he was already up even before the signing because this was this was uh, that round was a couple days ago, so that's kind of interesting there. But we'll see how it goes with uh, his spring training and whatnot. And if he has a good spring training, I think Archer's price will move up. But for now, late flyer. Keep the expectations mitigated there. Just because Tampa Bay signed him doesn't mean he's guaranteed to do anything. Let's go over to Milwaukee and talk about Colton Wong signing in division there, staying in the uh, NL Central, moving from St. Louis to Milwaukee. I think this is a solid pickup by the Brewers here, what it really does, uh, the big difference is it takes Keston Hira off of second base. At least that's what it looks like it's going to do and move him over to first base. Um, he's been a bad mm-hmm. defender pretty much from the jump, like coming up. That was never a big expectation yeah. that he would be a, a huge defender. He could have, you know, you can you can hide at second pretty nicely because of shifts and whatnot, and and there aren't uh, there isn't a ton asked of you. But now that you can move here over to first, that certainly helps and replace him with a Gold Glove uh, in Colton Wong. He should jump to their top to the top of their lineup. Now all of a sudden it's looking like Wong, Kane, Yelich, Hira, Avisel Garcia. Nice little nice little top five there. Not too bad at least. Um, if you were hoping for the Daniel Vogelbach love at first base. That takes a big hit. But what do you think about Colton Wong as a brewer? Man, I, I'm so glad I do some early drafts and got Colton Wong in uh, a few leagues already because the price Certainly. is definitely going to go up. Uh, and, I mean, I, I think I got him like outside of the top 350 in both of the leagues where I've already drafted him. You know, I mean, here's the thing with Wong. Like, we've seen a guy who can definitely – you know, show double-digit home run power and 20-plus stolen bases, and he's going to a better park and a team that likes to push it on the base path. So I I think he is a guy that could easily do that. He's going to play every day because the defense, that defense up the middle is fantastic yeah, now. Without a doubt. Uh, with Arcia okay. and Wong and now Lorenzo Cain and center are back, you know, from being opt- opting out. I mean... I really like it. Uh, you know, he's not a, you know, a stud. Like, I don't see, like, a huge breakout season. But, you know, probably, like, 10 homers, 20 stolen bases, 260 batting average, you know, decent runs in RBIs, and going extremely late. And even with the jump that 
I'm sure we'll see after signing, uh, he'll still be very affordable. I think it just adds to the depth. Yeah, of it really base. does. And now you can feel more confident taking him. Uh, as we've talked about regularly, guys that uh, don't have a spot are cheaper, and then they move up when they land. So Wong landing in Milwaukee, we'll move him off his 34180p. Again, that's since January 15th. That's a total of 24 drafts. Um, I could see him moving north of, let's see here. I think he'll move over Wilmer Flores at uh, 333, Joey Wendell at 308, maybe even Lestella at 303, although Lestella's move hasn't fully happened either. So Lestella may also move up in concert, and they could both move ahead of Ty France and Starlin Castro at the 290 to 294 range. Even Mauricio Dubon um, and Scott Kingry might be in danger of being leapfrogged by Wong. Uh, they're in the early 270s. We'll see. We'll see if they or mid 270s. We'll see if it gets that high. Uh, I think that's kind of a peak, though. I don't think that Wong will leap ahead of Garrett Hampson at 270. I think Hampson's speed and Coors are seen as more valuable, even though Wong runs. But Hampson has kind of that transcendent speed. I think that'll still be valued higher. So I think the peak for Wong is probably around the 274 range which would put him just ahead of dubon i think that's the highest he would go what do you think yeah i'm here for that yeah no i'm i love wong <laughs> go ahead and pull that sound clip. nothing wrong with that uh yeah colton good pickup uh i like it well done there by the brewers speaking of middle infielders find a new mm-hmm. home enrique hernandez this one's a little bit old i don't think you talked about this on sunday though right Actually, I don't think and we I did. Think I think we you and that. I had it had happened from our previous episode, so I don't think we got to talk about Enrique Hernandez heading out to Boston. And you know what? Good for him. As a Dodger, uh, he was a big time fan favorite. He's one of those guys who, you know, I'm always fascinated by the non superstars that are fan favorites, uh, and that's what happens when you root for a team. You can you, you become a bigger fan of some of the guys that uh, maybe aren't the the premier mm-hmm. players, and that was definitely the case with Kike Hernandez. Great personality, very uh, engaging with fans, and so he was he was beloved. But even the fans of him in Dodgerland understand, hey, go go get your money. You, you deserve to get paid because you still weren't going to play full time for the uh for the dodgers no no chance uh but he's a great fill-in now he gets to go to boston obviously the pedroia retirement clears any potential threat of that not that i really thought he was coming back but i think he even leapfrogs michael chavis as the second baseman and now chavis will have to finagle his way Mm -hmm. into uh the first base corner outfield dh realm with bobby dahlbeck jd martinez and uh, and even Andrew Benintendi and Hunter Renfro there in the corner outfield spots. So I think that it hurts Chavis the most. I think Enrique is going to be a full-time starter. What do you think? I think so, too. Uh, and, I mean, when they bring up, like, Jeter Downs, they can shift Enrique out to probably right field. And That's Hunter the thing. Renfro. He himself could jump out there into the outfield, too. I forgot yeah. to mention that. It's a great call-out. So I, I think he's, yeah... I think he went to Boston because they told him he could be an everyday player. Totally there. agree. He was uh, looking for somewhere to play. And like I said, I wouldn't even be surprised if the Dodgers front office like gave them their blessing. Like, hey, man, yeah. we, we can't we can't fulfill that. So go get paid. Do your yeah. thing. Yeah. So I think he wanted a full and he even talked about uh, after the signing that like he he feels like because he was in such a, you know, thick system with the Dodgers that. He just was never given the full opportunity 
to be a full-time guy and that he felt like he had the skill set to kind of adjust if given those everyday plate appearances. And so I think he's going to get 500 plate appearances. I think he can be get, a first. Yeah, like low 20 home runs, um, you know, some chip in stolen bases. Average isn't going to be great, but multi-positional eligible is always good. Uh, in fantasy, so in like deeper league, he's like a, a he's a good reserve option. And I'm eager to see what full playing time can do as far as finding a rhythm and and staying in it that way because he's had disjointed playing time and it's led mm-hmm. to ups and downs. You know, his last two years at 88 and 83 WRC plus for Kike Hernandez. That's that's not very impressive. Uh, but it, even in 2019, when it was an 88, it came with 17 homers and four steals. Decent little chip in, like you said. So I wonder if he can kind of finagle, uh, you know, kind of figure out some of those ups and downs there, be a bit more consistent since he's playing every day, maybe get the BABIP closer to like a, a, a 290, 300 range instead of the 272 of his career, and maybe even be a little bit of a batting average, not necessarily a help, but more in like the 260s to where he's not killing you because he's, he's shown flashes of it. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, 2008 plate appearances, he's a 99 WRC+. plus. So he's been on bottom league average guy with ups and downs in there. Let's see what he can do in a full season. AL only, he's he's kind of a perfect guy to have there as, as one of your cheaper guys because he can bounce around with that positional flexibility that you mentioned. Yeah. Now it's time for a reliever extravaganza. Three Woo-hoo! new relievers, and all of whom could feasibly become their team's closer. Let's start in Cincinnati with Sean Doolittle heading out there. Remember, they traded off Rysel Iglesias, and uh, right now, a lefty is penciled into their job with Amir Garrett, but Doolittle might be the guy to get it, and then Garrett and Lucas Sims can be the righty left, uh, lefty-righty fireman uh, specialists there in the middle innings leading up to Doolittle. So I don't know. Um, I haven't seen anything yet if it's suggested that Doolittle's going to have the job off-rip, or if he's going to be able to work for it. Um, it's a pretty cheap deal, 1.5 mil. Injuries have been the the one thing that's consistently derailed Doolittle. His talent is unquestioned. I know it's wavered a little bit um, in the last year there in the, in the uh, in seven and two-thirds last year. I could pretty much throw that out completely. But even in 2019, a more full season, homers became a bit of an issue, a 1.7 mark, which, I mean, th- that was higher than if you added his 2017 and 18 homer per night, which uh, doesn't even make sense, but I'm saying like that's how crazy it was to see him allow a 1.7 mark. Is this a new issue or is this a blip? I don't know. But in his at his best, great strikeout rate, doesn't walk guys, doesn't usually give up homers or hits, and he's been a monster. But he is going to be 34, and there's that creeping home run issue. Is that an, is that a problem for Doolittle? Can he be the closer? Are you drafting him as such? A lot of questions. Give me some of your answers here on Sean Doolittle. What do you think of him in Cincinnati? Uh, I took some spec plays on Doolittle early in draft season just because when he's healthy, he is really good. So good. And, I mean, the problem has just been health. It's just he, dude, has not been able to stay healthy virtually his entire career. Mm -hmm. Um but, like, there's no better person to, like, just as a person to root for. He does a lot of charity work. Um, he and his wife, Aaron, awesome people. Yeah, yeah really good Twitter follows. Um, you know, I think this is an open competition. I don't know. Did you see the exchange between Lucas Sims and, uh, and Amir Garrett on Twitter the other day? I did not. Was it uh, related to this? 
it was well it was before this signing uh amir garrett like you know played like a gif of like a dog on like a uh like like a kid's car like and he was like rolling into spring training as the closer and lucas <laughs> sims like uh i don't know buddy uh so and like, now <laughs> yeah like the next day like the <laughs> the red sign doolittle so um I think, yeah, I think this is an open competition, and I don't know if it will be a competition that is settled before uh, the start of the season. So, with that, I like all three of these guys. I think yeah. they all have really interesting skills. Give me I think the winner, this... but I don't know who's going to win, you know? Like, I'll, I'll roster the yeah. winner as, as a closer and be pretty happy about it, but I just don't know which way to go. In some ways, this is really good news. The the Doolittle signing is really good news for Amir Garrett. Because before they signed Doolittle, Garrett was the only lefty in this pen. And that can be problematic because teams yeah. don't want to put their only lefty in the closers role because then that, that key situation in the seventh, eighth inning when big time lefty comes up and you, and you can't go to him, it just creates problems. And that's why a lot of guys, um, a lot of lefties don't get the closers role. That's kind of mm-hmm. been part of the bias against them. He's got great answers in this uh, tweet thread too, by the way. He's like, uh, I never saw the press statement from David Bell saying you were. He's like, because what's understood doesn't need to be explained. That's so <laughs> funny, dude. Yeah, they seem like good buddies that are uh, having some fun uh, fun banter back and forth about it. Uh, but yeah, I do think it's a competition. and For sure. So it makes it very difficult to figure out in terms of like who you're going to draft. Um, you know, I, I want to feel like, like do little, you know, he's the guy that's been able to do it for longer. And if he's healthy, I think he'll get an opportunity. Uh, but it's definitely not a situation I'm highly investing in. If one or two of the guys like drop in a draft, then that's when like, okay, I'll take the gamble is like my third or fourth, you know, closer um but they're definitely not guys like i'm saying oh this is my number two closer going into a season yeah maybe in uh maybe in march when it's situated i will make the winner a number two closer sure but right now it's too hard and because it's three players too you can't even do the double dip like if it was if doolin wasn't there i wouldn't be averse to going garrett sims and then depending on league type, if a middle reliever is not viable, I just cut the loser as one of my first moves. This, given- this has the feeling of, remember, I think it was like three years ago, it, the Nationals had like two or three guys where it was like, you know, it was like Kelly and Trinan and I can't remember who the other guy was. And then they ended up trading for Sean Doolittle. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And everybody who, like, drafted a piece of the Nationals bullpen, like, was like, oh. Was it Coda yeah, Glover just, was the other one, too? Yeah, Coda Glover was another guy. Like, And it was like, everybody was like, oh, these guys are so good. Whenever one emerges, you're going to have a stud. And then all of a sudden, they trade for Sean Doolittle. And you're like, oh, everybody loses. Everybody. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, and that that could be the situation too. I mean, it's unlikely that one of these three doesn't win it, but 
I mean, it's so hard to know which one. Yeah, and what if they went TJ Antone to screw everybody? Who knows? Or what if they just decided all season long to just they were mess just around gonna with play it. matchups? Yep. Like, I mean, just... not mess around with it. Yeah, play play matchups. They're not. They don't give a shit about fantasy, nor should they. Yeah. They just want to have the best situation. So maybe they take one of the lefties and Sims, and they mix a match, and then the other lefty is available middle of the game, and then the Doolittle gets a few saves, and Garrett gets a few, and Sims gets a few. So yeah, be careful. I would I would stay away from it in early drafts right now. I haven't yeah. touched it when it was Sims and Garrett. Throwing Doolittle in the mix does not make me very uh, much happier to, to try. This other situation, though, this may be a bit clearer, even even though even older guy is mm-hmm. getting signed. That's Joaquin Soria moving out to Arizona, where um, I believe it was horror writers Stephen Crichton. Yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> his name. I didn't know where you were going with that. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, there there was uh, M- Michael Crichton's son, right? Mike so the... Crichton was the, was the actual guy. Stephen is the player, yeah. right? Michael mm-hmm. Michael's the author. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Michael Crichton's son out here, Stephen, there's Stefan even, uh, out here saving games and, and looking like the guy. People were betting on him, and that's that's who was getting drafted. But that never felt I, – I can I can say without uh, – it's not just hindsight. I was not touching the Arizona situation in any of these early drafts. I don't know where you were going. Um, but Joaquin Soria, if you haven't been paying attention to him because he hasn't been – much of a closer in in quite a while he's still very very good mm-hmm. his walk rate jumped up a bit in 20 from 7 to 10 percent and that's a little bit alarming but to counterbalance it he cut his home run rate to, down um to a third of what it was in 2019 from 1.2 to 0.4 and still was difficult to get hits off of still had a solid strikeout rate at 25 percent so he's still kicking butt Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every which way right now. In fact, the home runs were the only thing that really boosted his ERA in 2019. Otherwise, he'd be on a streak of four straight years with a sub four ERA. So, Soria is going to go out there. He looks like he should have the job. He's the veteran guy. I think they're going to want to give it to him. Maybe even to just flip him at the break. Something we talk about a lot when when a uh, middling or back end team gets a veteran reliever. But I would draft Soria as the Arizona closer at this point. What about you? Yeah, I mean, the reports are that Soria turned down more money to go back or to go to other locations because because he, he was told that he would be the closer. There you go. Um, and so uh, I, I'm going to assume that those reports are accurate, it seems. I mean, the only other reason you sign in Arizona uh, over another location that might give you more money is that you want to be closer to home. And I don't know if he makes his home in Arizona necessarily or not, but... Yeah, I think he's he he seems like the logical kind of guy up uh and I wish I had drafted him <laughs> this uh I don't yeah, I don't have any I don't have any shares of him, but I also don't have any shares of Crichton. So um that's uh you know, I I'm not missing out. Uh I'm a little bummed because, you know, like I had Scott Bogman on the Friends of Fancy Benefits podcast uh for for the Arizona Diamondbacks preview back at the beginning of January. Mm-hmm. And we were both like you know, it doesn't seem like Arizona is going to spend any money, and Creighton seems to be the guy. So yeah. uh, I'm sorry if people bought into that because I, I actually did. He just hadn't ended up on any of my teams yet. It wasn't like I was avoiding him necessarily. But um, I think Soria becomes a very, very cheap 
closer if you are among the don't pay for saves contingent. His ADP uh, since the middle of January has been 665. Um, I mean, it'll rise, but that's going to rise. I still think yeah. it'll be. I still think it'll be pretty fair. I mm-hmm. mean, it could rise. 350 picks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just based on being a closer, and it damn mm-hmm. well may. But you're still talking about, you know, 400 at the at the high end there. I mean, maybe it'll rise even more because he's closing. But I'm trying to see who are some of the guys going in that range. Where's the lowest closer? Like, I'm seeing closer wannabes like Tyler Duffy and Zach Britton down here. Maybe maybe he rises. Jonathan Hernandez is yeah, going 368. Also uh, a wannabe closer. Mm-hmm. So he's going to go higher than that. So Soria is probably going to move up to about pick 300. Yeah, and, probably. You know, that's that's fine. I mean, that's what Here, here you go. Got the same. 331, you've got Hunter Harvey. Okay, and he's, he's, he's uh, the closer, expected to get the job in Baltimore yeah. over Tanner Scott. And I've uh, I've drafted a lot left. of, yeah I've drafted a lot of Hunter Harvey this year. Uh, I, I have no problem taking him. I actually think the Baltimore is going to start to uh, start to be better. Crichton, yeah, by the way, I, I have I have Hunter, I have Hunter Harvey on five of my ten teams. Damn, you do love him. Uh, Crichton was going two forty four. So there you go. I think you should look at that. Archie Bradley was going two sixty two. Um, and he signed in Philly, and he's going to be. Mm-hmm. He'll see. He's going to be the guy. KC, KC's guy, Greg Holland, two thirty-eight. That's the range that you're going to see Soria, and I'm fine with it. He's a low yeah. end closer, um, price wise. I think he can be pretty good performance wise. So that's uh, that's going to be Joaquin Soria going out to Arizona. Moving on. Next up, Alex Colomay. Now, not as open. Certainly could see Taylor Rogers holding the job. But I don't think it's out of bounds that Alex Colomay in Minnesota snags that job. And the main reason that I think that that's at least on the table is that uh, Taylor Rogers struggled a bit in the, in the small season. Uh, his hits were through the roof. Now, hopefully they see that, that that's a 400 BABIP and that shouldn't stick. Um, his strikeout rate did drop. But he was all—he was already kind of milking as much as he could out of his 11% swing strike rate. So I think that that's more in line. The 26% is more in line with what he should be getting versus the 26%. Um, either or, like 26% is still perfectly capable of strikeout rate. It's over a strikeout per inning. But I do wonder if Taylor Rogers is in some trouble here because Colome signs and he's—he <clears throat> was quite good last year quietly mm-hmm. for the White Sox. Even though the White Sox were a good team the last two years as their closer, he's got 42 saves with really good ER. I mean, he had a .81 ERA this year, 280 the year before. He's 32 years old. He's still very good. At the very least, he he lengthens their bullpen, which is great. But at most, I think he could close. I would be open to taking Colome. Yeah, I, I like Alex Colome quite a bit. Uh, I mean, if... If you don't include his 2015 season when he uh, started 13 games and appeared in in 30 others, um, you know, for the Rays, uh, he has not had an ERA above 324 in his career. Dang. And, I mean, if you look since since 2016 when he's been just a reliever and, and mostly a closer, 
like, I mean, yeah, you're looking at his worst season of 324 ERA and 47 saves with the Rays in 2017. Uh, and he's just gotten better and better each year since that 2017 season. He really uh, has. He's got great swinging strike rates, too, which mm-hmm. I think he kind of goes the other way from Rodgers. I, I wonder if his strikeouts should be even higher. But he's a bit be. of a ground ball guy, so I think he gets out of count, out of at-bats earlier and counts. And I think that's part of what cuts into it. But I think if he, you know, if you went just off this swinging strike rate, you'd be like, damn, his, his yeah. strikeout rate should be, you know, 28 30%. He, he allowed last year zero home runs, two <laughs> earned runs, and 13 hits total. In 22 and a third innings. That's insane. Yeah. Follow me. I mean, like, and like, don't get me wrong. He's not going to do that over the course of a full season. However, like, you look at, like, some of the full seasons he's put up recently, 61 innings with the White Sox, uh, a 280 ERA, um, and a, a 107 whip. Like, it's... Like he he's this guy he's he's like the uh, the reliever version of Kyle Hendricks. Like the projections always hate him, and he always you know outperforms what the projections say. And so yeah. and this fastball and it, can break ninety, so he's even yeah. better than Kyle Hendricks in that realm. But yeah, I mean you're right. And here's an interesting part: one seventy four in ADP right now, one seventy five in ADP. I could actually see that going down. Because I wonder how many are going to see Taylor Rogers in danger here, like we mm-hmm. do. I, I'm sure others will. We're not going to be the only ones. I mean, Roster I still, Resource really has uh, really believes in Colum they because they so much. They've loved him so much. They listed him twice so, as the closer. I knew where you were going because I saw it too, and I was like, "Yeah." So he's the double closer. They did yeah. list Taylor Rogers. Yeah, no, but, but they think he's going to get two thirds. Yeah, yeah, of the same one attempt, part so. Rogers. Um, but no, I really could see him actually dipping down. I think he was being drafted in the one seventies like that because people are saying, "Well, he's going to go somewhere where he can close." Well, now he goes to to, uh, to Minnesota, excuse me, and I think people are going to balk at that and be like, "Well." wait i thought he was going to go somewhere where the job was wide open instead he goes somewhere where the job is like i don't know so i wonder if he might dip down a little bit and go more like the early 200s i think he still goes up but i don't think like tip like if he had signed let's say in san diego um well they've got pomerantz but like let's say he had he had been the one that signed in washington instead of brad hand like he would have shot up like 40 picks. Yeah, 40, 50 picks. I yep. think he still goes up, but I think you're seeing him like only go up maybe like a round or two. Like he he's probably going to go in like the 150 to 160 area. Um and I'm totally fine with that. I'd still pay that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very eager to see highlight him as somebody to look at in your next uh Market watch when you do relievers next time. Oh, um, yeah, compare, I'm sure he'll be on there. Uh, yeah, compare I, it from when he signed because I, I, I wonder. I, I do think there's at least a possibility that he doesn't even go up. Maybe he just holds too. Maybe we're both mm-hmm. wrong and he just holds. But even if he does go up, I don't think it's going to be cost prohibitive. Like you're saying, keep an eye on Alex Calme. And if you are Mr. Cheap Saves or Mrs. Cheap Saves, this is the kind of guy you should be getting because he doesn't even have a guaranteed job and that will keep his price down. So yeah. All right. Uh, one other move, 
quick one for Minnesota. I, I didn't I didn't rank these moves in order of impact because this one will be the most impactful. I bunched them because of both Minnesota moves here at the end. But they resigned Nelson Cruz. And I got to be honest, the way I was looking at this without the NL having guaranteed DH, I couldn't really find another spot. If the NL yeah. was going to be too cautious with them because they don't know if they're going to have a DH, then I'm wondering, well, where the hell is he going to go? And everything just led back to Minnesota. And so that's going to uh, that's going to be huge for them. That's such a big piece in their lineup. He goes right back in at number four, lengthens up that lineup again, and uh, I think this is the right move. What, what do you think of Cruz back to back to Minnesota? I mean, I I don't under this is this we have this same conversation every year. Every year we say, well, last year he was like a top ten to twenty hitter, and he's going outside of the top fifty picks. And this year, I mean, he's going right now, like, pick 110. Well, that was due uh, to age. Yeah. I'm not uh, saying I agree with it, but I'm saying that's what's playing a bigger role now, yeah. I think. But for years, he was underrated, even as, you know, he still early is. to mid-30s. And now, uh, while well, he continued to perform, now people hide behind age, just waiting for the shoe to drop. But I'm like, there's literally nothing in this profile, nothing tangible that you can really grab onto from a 53-game sample to to believe that he's that to, to believe that Cruz is really going to fall off, I, yeah. I I just don't see it. Like you know the barrel rate came. You know I, I did have some people like quoting me a few things from a fifty three game sample though. I'm sorry, it just doesn't hold any real weight. With it, me. He was healthy. Like he played fifty three games because mm-hmm. he was like I mean the one thing that held him back in 2019 is he missed time and still put up forty one home runs with a three eleven. <laughs> batting average and 108 Not rbi like games you oh know my God, dude i mean i don't know i mean dude dude is gonna put up 40 home runs and like a 280 Poppy. yeah he's batting home. average i just you know he's he every time he falls below like pick 75 i'm just salivating it's and over he's, yeah. He, yeah it's he's over. already on four of my 10 teams he's gonna be on more People um, just keep trying to time it, and they keep losing, and it doesn't change their thought process at all. Because here's the thing, too. Even with those things that Cruz has, like the, the few little things about, like, oh, this is down, this is down, he was still elite. He mm-hmm. was still very every bit as good as he was in 19 from a WRC Plus standpoint. From 163, he actually added a point to 164. He hit 16 homers in 53 games. That's a 50-homer pace. Like... I'm sorry. You just there's just nothing here that that is any any sort of legitimate reason to deter me from him. Yeah, and I mean here here's the reason to not draft him. The only reason to not draft him is because there is another UT only player that you really like because there are a few of them this year. True. With JD Martinez and Giancarlo Stanton, yeah, Fran Mill Reyes, Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez. Um, so, like, if there's a different guy you really like and you want on your team, and obviously you can't roster two util players, I get that. Like, I, I, I do understand that. But like, if you're one of those people that says, well, I don't draft util-only players, like, 2021 is not the year for you because you're going to give discounts to other teams yep. on these guys. Yep. I mean, I think, I think you're just putting yourself – like – always this like idealized thing too of some guy falling late in the draft that you have to have that ut spot open for 
We'll just draft some flexibility at other points in the draft so that if, and if Magic Man does fall down, then you can maneuver things and still fit him in your roster. Because I just don't buy that that you have to keep that spot open. Like, I don't know, draft better. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to be flipping about it. But, like, you're going to pass on the value that, that Cruz offers or even J.D. Martinez and uh, Stanton. Well, the, yeah, the upside of Stanton or Alvarez. Like, I just you don't. Like, like this idea that you can't draft these guys because they're util only. If they had a position, like let's say they were an outfielder, because most of these guys would be outfielders or a first baseman, mm-hmm. like you would never be moving them from that spot ever. Yeah. So what's like? It's not that big of a difference. Like it it's really it's really isn't. not. And again, they're just. It's rare that there's some perfect player that can only fit in your util that drops and that's why people keep that spot open for this flexibility it's like well you can draft flexibility elsewhere to to counter that so hey and you know what? there's a ton of it this year like because 2020 was shortened almost yep. every single site in the league is going to be lowering their thresholds it's fantastic for, for games played and so i mean we're all playing in yahoo leagues this year with guys just being able to play in a lot of different spots so like yep. You're going to have the flexibility all over your roster anyways. Don't worry that the one util spot isn't going to be super flexible for you because you're going to get a ton of production. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I totally agree, man. I'm definitely there. You know what? Ignore. Ignore what we're saying, guys. Don't draft <laughs> UT only, guys. They're they're terrible for you. If you're you in drafts with do us. It. Yeah. If you're in drafts with us. Otherwise, yeah. I don't give a crap. All right, back to the starting pitcher realm here. We took a little detour from our from our ADP chatter to talk about our rankings, both of which are up on the site now. If you want to mm-hmm. go thumb through those and see what you like, leave a comment. Uh, but now we're going to get back into it. Let's start with the fighting fish. There's a pair of fighting fish here that go right by each other between Sandy Alcantara and Sixto Sanchez. Sixto, obviously uh, impressed in a short sample, really, really turned people's heads. He's a big-time prospect. We were just kind of waiting for when he was going to come up, and he showed out right away. Alcantara Kind of got started in 19, if you really think about what he was able to do. Put up a full season, had glimpses of really strong work, kept it going this year. Even better. Remember, big-time prospect, the big piece for Marcelo Zuna. And uh, just took a little while to kind of really ramp up. Like I said, had a, had a strong 19 and an even better 20, albeit a much smaller sample. Who do you prefer between the two fighting fish here in Alcantara and Sanchez? They go right next to each other at 138 and 140. Um, I mean, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. I, I like both of these guys, and so it's a difficult question for me to answer. Does it depend on what you're looking for, though? Or I might th- you be overrating the strikeout potential of Sixto? Mm, do you think I am? I, I really like Sixto Sanchez. I was super I do impressed too, by... But I'm a little... I'm a little uncertain as to what kind of strikeout prowess he's going to have as a mega ground ball guy. He throws a hundred. I mean, it's it's a little bit Dustin May esque, not to the same degree, but in that sort of realm of being a gift god and having all these nasty pitches that move at a hundred, but they're sinkers and two seamers, and so he keeps mm-hmm. the ball down at a fifty eight percent clip. He only had a twenty one percent strikeout rate despite a 13% swing strike rate. Even in double A, it was at 24%, which is not neither of which, like even the 21% is not, not inherently bad. It's certainly not 
fantasy sexy, but like the 24% double A, that's not bad, but it's under a strikeout per inning. And I just wonder, is it going to take a while to come into his strikeouts uh, and be kind of right where Alcantara is? By the way, Alcantara, same issue, ground ball type of guy, can throw really hard. He's kind of learning his strikeouts, though. He actually upped his rate from 18 to 23%. Granted, shortened season. We don't know if it would have held, but he's going the other way. So I think they're quite similar, to be honest. I don't think it depends what you need. I think you can kind of pick your favorite guy here, mm-hmm. and you're getting similar stuff. That's my, That's where I'm at with these two right now. Yeah, I have Sanchez two spots ahead of Alcantara in my ranks, and I probably should flip-flop them okay. based on the innings projections alone. I yeah, mean, Sixto, I yeah, he hasn't been a guy who's thrown a ton. He's battled injuries, uh, and Alcantara is, you know, at, you know, he threw 197 in a third in 2019. So he's got a very good chance of, you know, at least putting up 160, whereas Sixto likely doesn't. So, yeah, I mean, I'm enamored by Sixto, and I just was so impressed with what I saw watching him pitch, but you might be right. He may be Dustin Mayish and uh, a guy that because he's got that 60% ground ball percentage that he maybe the strikeouts are a little bit limited. Uh, I think I have them both already on a number of teams. Um, I know I have Sanchez for sure. Uh, uh, Yeah, I've got Sanchez already on two and and Alcantara on one. So it's an Alcantara Alcantara. I can never remember. Um, Um... I think, it's I think it's Al Contra with him, and then it was Paris yeah. Mendy Alcantara. I love how it's inconsistent, though. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's so fun. Um, but yeah, I think I need to flip flop them. I think I need to put. Um, yeah, right now I've got Sixto at forty two and uh, Alcantara at forty four. It is Alcantara with Sandy. It was Alcantara okay. with Paris Mendy. Damn it! Uh, all right. My buddy, uh, my buddy Sandy needs to move <laughs> up a few spots in my ranks. Oh, Sandy's uh, easy. Yeah, six though needs to drop a, a few spots in my ranks. Uh, but I, I do like them both, and because they offer very similar things, you're likely going to only end up with one. So whichever one is still around in the draft, you know, around that pick 130, 135 yep. mark is, is a guy that I'm really interested in. Yeah, I have them ranked back to back. So I really am just kind of taking who's available there. Um, I think it is six though by one spot. Uh, I can really go either way though. I got them 42, 43. I, I had six though higher. And as the off season went on, I was like, I gotta, I gotta peel back a little bit here. And the strikeout thing was a big part of that, but I'll, I'll, I really will take either. I think you just kind of, Take who's available when you're ready to jump there. If both are, flip a coin, pick your favorite. I'm not. I'm just not sure that there's a stark enough difference for me to be definitive on one over the other. Mm-hmm. What about Patrick Corbin? Let's go. Let's go to the veteran realm here. Um, after talking about the two young fish and talk about Patrick Corbin, he's really broken out over the last couple of years. Uh, had a great final season with the Diamondbacks, then signed with the Nats, kept everything going in 2019. Came back to earth quite a bit in 2020, though. I had a 4.66 ERA and a 1.57 whip. Hits were through the roof. Homers were through the roof. Velo was down a bit, uh, nearly two ticks. Everything was just kind of off. Talked a little bit about not being able to ramp up and and really kind of getting his groove there. Do you think things would have been different over you know over six month season? More importantly, do you think that he'll get back on track this year, or was 2020 the sign of things to come? 
for Patrick Cormick. So one of the things we usually complain about, you know, at this time of year is the guys that broke out the previous season that we had been on earlier and finally said, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. Um, and Patrick Corbin is the exact opposite. So Patrick Corbin's the guy who's like, nope, not going to do it. Nope, not going to do it. And then last year I was like, you know what, I'm doing it. I'm all in on Patrick Corbin. Oh, wait. Son of a gun. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I... There are some concerning things, especially with his health profile. So when you see the velo drop, you see that uh, he really struggled the way he did in, in 2020. You wonder if there, you know, we have another Tommy John coming. If, uh, you know, this is, you know, guy who's who's breaking down because he throws so many uh, sliders. I'm, I, I've been getting a lot of Patrick Corbin this year. Uh yeah, I'm I'm not quitting him. One, the price is really, really good. I mean, this is a guy who is like top 10, top 15 pitchers in drafts in yeah. 2020. And now you're getting him just extremely late. What he's he's currently going at pick 140 uh since the middle of January in draft champions leagues. Um, you know, right behind our buddy Sixto Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Um and I just the upside alone has has really given me uh, a reason to to kind of buy back in. Also, like I understand people are really concerned about the velo drop, but this is something that happens every season with Patrick Corbin's at some point. Like the velo drops, everybody gets scared. Ooh, it's time to sell Patrick Corbin, and then the velo comes back and he's fine. Yeah. Um, and so I'm a little bit less concerned than probably other people are. And, uh, and I think, I think he's, you know, he, like you said, he's talked about, it was a difficult year for him because he didn't have the proper ramp up, uh, having to ramp up, then ramp back down, uh, and just didn't have the time to kind of get things under control. I think a full season, uh, we're going to see a return, you know, pretty much right around to what he was doing in 2019, which is a guy that's, a mid to lows threes ERA guy, you know, um, uh, you know, 27, 28, uh, strike, uh, uh, percentage, uh, and a, a guy that you really is probably going to rack up some wins on a, a nationals team that should be back to being pretty good. So yeah, I really like Patrick Corbin. I love the price, uh, already on four of my 10 teams expecting him to be on more. Yeah, I certainly, uh, I'm certainly open to, to scooping him as well. I, I really don't uh, don't have a major issue with anything that's going on with Patrick Corbin, and I do think that the price is definitely definitely what's bringing me back in on Corbin as well. So I'm there with you. I haven't uh, gotten him yet on the two teams that I've done, but I'm certainly open to drafting him. And I think when all said and done with my teams, I'll probably have a Corbin share or three myself. Let's move into some unproven guys here. Who's the uh, the the unproven best buy between these two 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 favorites at least uh, if they're not shared we we universal on one of them but Aaron Savale and Frankie Montas I know we both like Montas I don't know where you come out on Savale but he's a favorite of mine so I like both these guys here it's a tough decision uh, I think I do lean Montas personally but where are you at between Frankie Montas and Aaron Savale and you can include their cost here because I do think that they're different enough to where um, you are making a decision at Montas at 146 and Savali at 185. At 186, we'll call it actually round up. So they're, they are 40 picks apart. 
almost three rounds. So include that there. I paired them because I, I hadn't gotten Montas in on the, the show with Nick, and I wanted to get him somewhere. So I, I put him with a guy that I like, even though they are a little bit further apart in ADP. Yeah, I mean, it's Montas for me. It's it's not particularly close. Um, and, and it's not saying I dislike... Uh, Savali, because I think I'm 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 probably more ambivalent on Savali than I am, you know, like down or high on him. So it's you know he's a guy like when when his ADP comes around and you know he'll end up on a few of my teams. But Montas has been a target for me all draft season, uh, and he is my third most rostered pitcher. I've got him on five of my 10 teams already. Let's you look go. at what he was doing at the beginning of the season uh, last year. And he was, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, um, you know, and uh, you know, on August 8th, you know, he went seven innings against the, uh, the Astros only allowing two hits um, and no earned runs. And then he started having back problems. He started having, you know, couldn't get loose. His back was an issue. Uh, which is concerning because backs are always concerning, but he came back strong last start of the season, six, uh, uh, innings pitch against Seattle, 13 strikeouts, uh, only allowed four hits, uh, you know, allowed two runs, but they weren't earned because of errors in the field. Uh, I love to see a guy come back and finish the season strong, uh, and go that deep into a game, uh, at the end of the season. You know, it's always been about health with Montas. Montas mm-hmm. is, has been a guy who struggled with health. So there is some risk. Uh, I have done the pairing of Montas and Corbin, uh, on a few teams and like that. that, that I like the upside, but there is some scariness in sure. terms of the health profile. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing that very often. And if you're not drafting in a million leagues like I am, <laughs> probably don't do that at all. But I do think Montas has the skills to be a top 25 starting pitcher and I, I am going to go back to the well on it. Yeah, I, I definitely am seeking out Montas as well. And the beauty with the prices here is that I can get both. Uh, and I'm certainly down to do that and, and will, will definitely do that. Montas, you know, like you said, bounced back to finish the year, uh, pitched in the playoffs too. I think he got beat up in one of his starts. He only had two outings. Yeah. So I'm not really bugging out on that. I just like that he finished the season healthy and pitching. That's really the important part for me. And I've got him ranked 30th and I've got Savali 45th. So uh, there's enough split there. And like I said, there's about 40 pick split in ADP that I'm going to have both. And as far as Savali goes, you know, he got off to a great start, too. And then uh, the wheels came off a bit. There was not the injury excuse that that Montas had. And, um, you know, that was a little bit upsetting to see, hey, everything's going well. This breakout pick that I had looks like uh, looks like he's he's fulfilling the the breakout uh, status for sure. Well, he gives up five at St. Louis and six innings as Savali. Uh, puts together four decent starts, two two quality starts, six innings, two runs, and then two that are just a tick worse, six innings, four runs. But he was six innings in all in all four of them. But then Pittsburgh of all teams bops him mm. for eight to end the season, sending his ERA from three ninety nine to four seventy four. Yeah. Honestly, though, that just makes the price cheaper because I don't really see anything in the profile that makes me believe that. Uh, that Savali is somebody to, to run from. I do feel like in a six month season, he could have outrun that ugly Pittsburgh start and he'd have been fine. We still, we saw an improvement in strikeout and walk rates for him, both of which uh, I like. 
The hits were a little bit high, 333 Babbitt. Still think he has a deep enough arsenal. Love what Cleveland does producing pitchers. Like I said, I'm down for both. I don't need to pick between the two. I just want to see if there was anything on the price that might lean you towards the valley, knowing full well that you love Montas. So, yeah, I like both too. Uh, I, I like Montas the most, though. So I will definitely be taking him. Let's go over to a, another pair of guys here. Tyler Molly versus Marco Gonzalez. Now, they're completely different pitching styles, but I'm not going to let you just say, depending <laughs> on what I need here. you got to pick one between the two. And I think that they they do present kind of an interesting, uh, you know, disparity between the two with Marco Gonzalez being kind of that, that control and command type of guy who was off the charts this year, by the way. If you didn't have him on a team, you might not have realized what he was able to do. He's spiked his strikeout rate up despite no real gains in his swinging strike rate. So it seems a little odd to go from 17 to 23%. But he cut that walk rate from 7 to 3. Uh, that's insane. He, he suppressed hits at his best rate ever at 7.6. All told, 310 ERA, .95 whip for Marco Gonzalez. He was great in 69 and two-thirds. Through 203 innings the year before, he was kind of a 4 ERA with a 130 whip, kind of what people are expecting. I wonder if you think he can hold any of those gains or are you betting on an up-and-comer in Tyler Molle for Cincinnati who bounced between relief and well, actually only had one relief role. Pardon me. He, was, he had nine starts out of his 10 appearances. Struck out guys at a 30% clip. Was tough to hit. Probably deserved a little bit better on his results, but he walked too many guys and so he ended up with a 359 ERA and a 115 whip. That whip says maybe he could have been even lower. Both guys broke out a bit in 20, but it's a tiny season. So who do you go with, Tyler Molly in Cincinnati or Marco Gonzalez for Seattle? Now, you said I can't say that it depends on what I've already done in a draft. So Correct. I'm, go- Let's I'm going to assume that you're, you're balanced. You're well balanced here. I- I'm going to do something different, but the same. Uh, I-, I want both. I like both these guys quite a bit. I mean, okay, I accept that. It's. Uh, I mean, it's no secret if you've been listening, if you were listening to this podcast at this time last year, uh, I talked about Tyler Molly quite a bit and how much I liked him. You know, I I did like him a lot because I thought he was going to be a bulk guy uh, and maybe teams would limit their starters and he could pick up a lot of sneaky wins. But I, I've always liked the skills on he Tyler up, Molly. He ended up being your Austin Nola. And what I mean is that mm-hmm. we were both right on those guys, but our process was wrong. Remember, mm-hmm. I thought that Nola would take some time to get catcher eligibility by just filling in for Tom Murphy, but then yep. be very good bouncing around. Well, he took over the job and he was great. You you were drafting Molly because you're like, well, he's going to get some relief appearances early in the season and then I'll assess him from there. He pretty much started from the jump, but he was great. So we both mm-hmm. got wins there, but if we show our work, we would have gotten – some negative grades there, but I love, I love Molly as well. So you'll take both in like a back to back situation. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I have no problem doing that because you're going to get the strikeouts from Molly and the yep. really safe ratios from Gonzalez. And Gonzalez is one of those guys that like Kyle Hendricks, uh, like Alex Colome, the projections just hate them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hate him. And, uh, and he, all he, he seems to now just kind of beat that. And so, uh, I don't know that I buy the the strikeout rate bump. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, either. And I know there are people like, well, he's going to be in a six man rotation. Well, he was in a six man rotation last year, and he was fantastic. So I'm I'm not super uh, worried about that. I like both the guys. I have both of them already on teams. I will continue to draft both of them. 
I'm a little bummed that Gonzalez's ADP has gone up uh, as far as it has because he was the kind of guy last year you were drafting like around pick 300, uh, and Molly wasn't even really being drafted in most in most leagues. Uh, but I, I'm still here for it. I, I like both these guys. Totally agree, and uh, would be open to taking both too. 163 for Molly, uh, 174 for Gonzalez. So split enough to where you don't even have to be picking close. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you can be picking like in the, the middle, ends. and yeah, and, and still get both of them. And I agree that uh, you know I don't think that strikeout rate's holding. But one of the sneak things, and this is uh, this is something I used to talk about back in in Wainwright's heyday. This is you know a while ago then it, for his heyday. But one of the things that these guys can do is they can volume their way. Uh, Madison Bumgarner's like this too. He never had gaudy strikeout rates, but they volume their way to a a perfectly capable strikeout total. So even though you know the rate isn't great, mm-hmm. if they're pitching 200 innings, they're still getting you know. 140 150 which is not a bad total and uh you know you're not paying top line price for him either so yeah i like gonzalez i love molly um i have them ranked let me see i have molly at 51 and marco gotta be right by him 59 so i'm i'm right there with this with the yeah pair I, too. I have them both right next to each other i have molly at 45 and marco gonzalez at 46 both of these guys are at the top of Eno's command plus metric. Mm-hmm. So like these are both like really, really good command guys, which I love. And Molly's who I learned about. Uh, uh, Eno's who I learned about Molly from mm. many moons ago. That, right. that Eno guy is pretty smart. He knows what he's doing here and there, but let's not let's not gas him up too much, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he is our competition for best podcast. After so. all. We need yes. to thwart him. and mm-hmm. We're just lulling him into a sense of security. It's the way to do it, baby. It's the way to do it. Uh, here's a question for you. He's not being overdrafted, finally. At least I don't think egregiously so. But is Herman Marquez worth a top 50 SP slot when you're only using him for half his starts, essentially? What do you think? I mean, I think it depends on your format. Uh it's, I mean, in a daily moves league, obviously he is because you can really play around with that um, and not worry about him, uh, uh, you know, pitching at home because pitching at home is going to be an issue for him. And if you look at what he did last year, he had a lot of road starts, especially early on in the season. That being said, it's still really difficult in a weekly moves league because when he gets those two start weeks, one is likely going to be in Colorado, and that yeah, becomes it's rare to double up on the on the road on the road, and so that becomes a really risky proposition because you want to use guys you draft, you know, in that top fifty on in those two start weeks. So I have not yet ended up with him outside of best ball leagues. You got um, him right where his ADP is, just about there. You got him 51, I got him mm-hmm. 55. So I'm not that far off either. So we're both, you know, kind of close. But I wonder if push come to shove, if we're drafting him. Now he's right by Molly and, and Marco. Goes right mm-hmm. after them, though. So we would obviously take those two guys. But what about versus uh, the aforementioned Savali? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I think I'm going to take Marquez, but that's super close for me. What about, uh, let's let's say we get good reports, everything looks good, he's returning David Price. 
if everything is good and he's returning, he looks good, um, I'm taking David Price. And then finally, a guy we're going to talk about uh, probably next episode, um, Mike Soroka returning from the Achilles injury. Again, let's assume things tra- you know, are on the right trajectory and we, we're getting decent enough reports. Uh, we'll worry about if his ADP rises, but let's just say he's going right by Marquez right now. So where would, would you go, Soroka or Marquez? See, Soroka's a really interesting one because I, I kind of got into an argument with someone yesterday, yesterday about him uh, because there was a talk, uh, uh, Greg Jewett, you know, friend of the podcast, uh, he, he was talking about on a podcast that the DH not being in the National League might mean Soroka wouldn't start the season because they don't want oh, him. Might have to, yeah. um, which I don't get and I don't agree with. Um, and maybe Greg has some inside information that I don't have uh, that the Braves are actually considering this. Like, what happens if there's a slow roller or he has to cover first? He's going to have to run. If he can't run, he's not pitching. Um, sure, but extraneous. Like, that's part of the job. But with with hitting, it's so unnecessary that I wonder. I don't know. There, there's some logic to that. I could totally see that being a thing where they don't want him to hit. Like you I'm said, just, I mean, the, I, the, the things that you bring up would also be a challenge. But those are at least within the job. This is... This is, you know, doing something that you, you shouldn't have to do because pitcher hitting is so stupid. Yeah, and I mean, how many times have we seen a pitcher go up there and just watch everything go by? Mm-hmm. Like, or he, or you know, he makes contact and he just jogs to first as they throw him barely. Out, yeah, you know, I mean, so like, I don't think that that is that is the if, if Soroka is not healthy enough to play he's just not healthy enough to play i don't know that the dh factors that much into it that being said i am concerned you know we just don't have a long track record of uh, of guys with soroka's injury coming back and it's not necessarily it's not necessarily that oh you know these guys aren't healthy when they come back no we just don't know how it's going to affect him yep um and so for that reason i've got him lower in my ranks uh, than a lot of people. I've got him at 62, so I, w- I would easily take uh, either Savale or uh, Herman Marquez over it. I guess Soroka higher than that at 48. Yeah, that's too high. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Considering okay. right now we have no idea what his health is. Yeah. Well, you can't just assume he's, he's going to be ready. No, you can't. I mean, you can't assume anything. But like, I don't know. I mean, and I like Mike Soroka. I'm I'm a Mike Soroka guy. Like, but until we know for sure that he is, like, he shouldn't be in people's top fifties. Yeah, I don't think top fifty is strong enough to not have him in there. I, I don't see anything that suggests until I get information that he's not going to be ready. I'm I'm leaning on the side that he's going to be. So I, I'm keeping him forty eight. I, I got no problem with that. Um, so you, if you were in a draft, draft you, I don't have to draft him there. So like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, he's going like what one eighty. Yeah, and that's like um, he's the 69th pitcher. I don't think there's twenty relievers going nice. ahead. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's nice. So yeah, I mean, like, assume there's fifteen, and so that's you know fifty fourth. I'd be fine with that. Would you? I mean, he's going right next to Aaron Savali. So would you? Of rather course, have I take Savali. I have Savali okay. ranked higher. Would you rather have 
uh, Soroka or Tony Gonsolin? That's what we call a segue. Because the next guys are Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May. <laughs> I would probably take Soroka. Wow. Okay. Take a shot on Soroka over the guy who doesn't have a job. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to yeah. take the health over the guy that doesn't have a job. Health is so fleeting with pitchers, though, that I don't know. It can be an overrated thing to, to bank on because – and I, I mean, know, I know it's Soroka not an arm injury. Hurt. I understand that. Yeah, but everything is is tracking for him to be ready. I mean, that's 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 what we're we're supposed to be having is is you know him be ready by now or by by um, the time the season starts. Excuse me. So we'll see. You know, obviously, I'll get more clarification in February. Uh, I know it's February now, but later February and early March to determine how smart of an idea that is, and I'll adjust accordingly. But I'm not going to have him down. I'm not going to have him way down until I get information that tells me that I should have him down there. I've got him in my injury tier, my injury tier of Denelson Lamette at 55 through uh, Mike Soroka at 62. All right. Who else fits in there? Paxton, Kluber, time. Okay. Yeah. I should move Yurkiti out of it just because Yurkiti's not. Uh, it should be Lamette, Canning, McCullers, Tyon, Kluber, Paxton, Soroka. We'll talk about Yurkiti on Tuesday as well, comparing him to his teammate Christian Javier there. So prepare for that. But we're going to close with this one here. Uh, Dustin May versus Tony Gonsolin. I mentioned it earlier that that uh, that could have worked as a perfect segue in, in, in into those two. It's almost like I'm a professional. It's crazy. It's crazy because we don't really know yet. Right now, we've got Dustin May in at roster resource with Gonsolin out. I don't know. You know what 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 comes of Price? Uh, we know Kershaw Bueller. They're set. I think even Arias is too personally. That's that's more of a personal take there. I think he is mm-hmm. set and ready to be a guy this year that they're not mm-hmm. going to, to finesse. They used him in such huge spots. They love him they, as they, they should really as, a, like him, yeah. as a player, you know, he's got, I know there's people on him about personal, the off field stuff with the mm-hmm. incident in the garage. I understand that mm-hmm. I'm talking specifically any sort of favoring terms. I'm talking about his baseball talent right now. Where, where do you have yours? I've got a race pretty high. I've got him at 29. Okay, you're, so we're right there together. I've got him at 30. Yeah, so we both got him in our top 30. We think this is the year the reins come off. I think that's the right move to think. Um, but with these other two, May and Gonsolin, we don't really know. Price is there. Uh, they'll probably sign another guy like, I don't know, Matt Shoemaker or something. I don't even know if Matt Shoemaker <laughs> signed. I don't think he has. But somebody like that that could like that could threaten. You know, not quite Jake Odorizzi. I think that's too good of a too good of a guy who would – require a spot but somebody in that realm so what do we do with may and gonsolin they go close together i think the um fantasy community realizes they should be near each other but they have split a little bit more recently they're now 25 picks apart that's actually a bigger split than it was 161 for may gonsolin down at 186 so uh first off where do you have them ranked and then where do you come out on the pair may and gonsolin for the dodgers uh, let's see. I've got Dustin May at 48 and Gonsolin at 52. Got no problems with that. I've got just before you answer where you who you're taking. I've got 
May 49, Gonsolin 52. We're deadlocked here pretty much. Jeez, I like it. I mean, I like both guys quite a bit, uh, but May is the guy that I feel like is in the rotation right now, and Gonsolin is either the sixth man uh, if they do do a six-man rotation, which I think they probably should do. I mean, this is a rotation that has a lot of injury uh, issues uh, in the past, and you know, a guy in David Price that didn't pitch all of last year. Uh, Gonsolin is right-handed, which would... Uh, you know, give them three lefties and three righties. So, like, I do think they should do a six-man rotation. We may see something like that uh, early on for the Dodgers, as they do like to kind of limit, uh, you know, some of their guys. That being said, May May was the guy they gave the starts to in the playoffs. I mean, he started yep. uh, three games, uh, pitched pretty well uh, in you know his his seven outings in the playoffs. So, I really like. The upside of Gonson, because like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Dustin May is one of those gifable guys that just the strikeouts just don't tend to show up uh, because of the contact that he gives up. I still really like them both um, and would have no problem taking either. But Gonson's the guy I can keep ending up with. Yeah, I think keep ending up with Gonson too. I think May inches up above his ADP. Uh, more often. I mean, he has a min of 129. Gonsolin's min is 162. So the, the community uh, certainly likes May more, and you can wind up in a draft room that likes him a lot more than Gonsolin, mm-hmm. in which case, have at it. I'm, I'm moving toward Gonsolin, because he's going to get some starts, right? You know, no teams go just uses five anymore these days. They're They're very much an anomaly if they do. And I don't expect the Dodgers to try to be that anomaly. That's just not the way they've rolled. So Gonsolin's going to get some starts. It's a matter of knowing when, you know. Yeah. Um, he's not on the he's not on the rotation list for a given week, so you don't start him, and then he starts on Wednesday and throws six scoreless. You don't get those, right? So it can be a pain in the ass uh, as well. I admit that, but that's part. Or, of what or he comes, yeah, or he comes in in like the third inning and yep. pitches, you know, yep. four uh, or something like that. So. Someone leaves early. Uh, due to injury or shelling, and there he is to to pick up the slack. So I do like both. I think we will get some clarity in spring, but as it stands right now, if you're drafting, I say go for the cheaper one and get Gonsolin. Man, I I feel like they would be a really good trade partner with the Blue Jays. Just, you know, here, here's Tony Gonsolin. Give us, I don't know, Tay Oscar. Oh, my gosh, if they got Tay Oscar. That wouldn't even be fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it, I don't know if that's something that could happen or would happen, but it just seems like they match up so well. They do. I mean, the, the thing is with the Dodgers, they can match up with any team because they got talent for days, yeah, and they exactly. can just pluck <laughs> off the quality talent on the other on the other side there. So, but they're also uh, a team that you know they they use that depth to their advantage. They absolutely do. They maneuver, they trade mm-hmm. and and they they figure things out and then they still stay stacked. That's the crazy mm-hmm. part. They trade the depth and then they replenish it. They really are uh doing things brilliantly over there. Brutal uh, the Giants fan. I I can only imagine. I can only imagine. All right, man. Well, I will uh I will call it here. We will uh, get into more questions on Tuesday. Hopefully we get some more hot stove action over the weekend. We get the extended uh, four days between shows here that mm-hmm. hopefully hopefully it goes wild. Um, and then we can have more to talk about. There's still some studs out there. But if not, we'll just dive deeper into pitchers. 
Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Again, both of our lists are up at the site. You can go peruse them, pick them, uh, ask us questions. We'll both get in those comments there. Until then, Justin, I hope you have a wonderful do, weekend. Do we oh, want to make our oh, announcement? We absolutely or? can. I forgot. Hell yes, we can. Folks, yes. we have a Patreon. Yeah, yeah. You've been wanting to support the stream or the, the um, pod? Greatly appreciate that. You now can do that via Patreon. Patreon.com slash the sleeper and the bust. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, um, is there a capitalization on that or does it not matter? Oh, it automatically does it. You don't have to have mm-hmm. the right capitalization. Uh, it'll it'll correct it to where the T and the S in the sleeper are both capitalized as well as the B. But it doesn't matter. You can just go to the sleeper and the bus. Patreon.com slash sleeper and the bus. Several different tiers. Support how you want. We're also going to be adding some things. So if you are interested in this, wait until we add it. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing – it's going to be limited spots, but – where we can draft with you guys or do a draft prep. Basically, it's a two and a half, three hour session with us. If you want that to be the draft, by all means. If you want that to be a draft prep night, that can be that. So we're going to put that in, I think, for a hundred bucks, hundred buck tier. You get all the other stuff along with it, plus that. If that's something you're interested in, maybe don't go to the Patreon today on Thursday when you see this, but I'll try to get it up actually before this, this pod is even up. Um, but yeah, that's another thing that we're adding. Everything else is up there right now. You can get the Kyle Gibson tier. I mean, if you really want. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... Kyle, Kyle already signed up for it. We just went live, and he already mm-hmm. signed up. Yeah, it's crazy. Tier, so that's fantastic. So greatly appreciate all the support we've had on this uh, podcast for years, and um, you know, being nominated for the podcast award twice, including this year, has been huge. And we figured. This is another way for folks to show support. If you're so inclined, lots of different things to choose from. Justin, any thoughts on the Patreon here before we wrap up? You know, I, and I, I, I you know, I, we appreciate everybody listening, giving us great reviews on iTunes. You can still go give us those great reviews on iTunes. Uh, this will not like change like the content people no. get. So like, I no. don't want people like we understand that you know now is a tough time for everybody financially. If you can't afford to uh, join the Patreon. Like you will still be getting the same number of podcasts. You're not going to be left out. Yeah. So uh, there's just going to be some added benefits for people. Like we're going to do a monthly Zoom uh, hangout. We're going to do like a monthly Q&A live uh, stream podcast, which I'm sure we'll put into the feed after the fact. You just get to be there live and ask questions and stuff if you join. So I don't want anybody to feel left out like, hey, I can't afford this. Um, so I, 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 you know, I can't be a part of it that you're not going to be left out of the content you've been getting for free forever. Um, but we just, we do appreciate anybody who can subscribe and, and join us in some of the cool things we're going to be doing. Totally agree. Great way to put it. All right. That'll wrap us up. We'll be back Tuesday. Justin, have a great weekend. Take it easy.